Jeff Demers and Viviane Chauvet. Tonight, today, we are thrilled, as always, to welcome a beautiful star sister, a dear friend, a very talented and gifted lady, Sheila Seppi. And even though Sheila is quite well known for her amazing work and contribution to humanity, allow me to introduce Sheila tonight. She's a soul exchange walk-in. She's entered the body of a 38-year-old mother with three children and was instantly healed from documented disease and took on a new personality with spiritual gifts and memories she did not even believe in. Her life was immediately transformed and she would never be the same again. Her first soul experience was in the angelic realm where she was given the name Nawela. That's beautiful, Nawela, by her original star family. Her souls is a combination of the angelic, Pleiadian, Syrian, Octorian, Lyran, Mentis, and Andromedan multidimensional Christ consciousness lineage. She arrived from her collective with the mission to be a way shower for humanity by helping people to spiritually awaken and revolve. When she leaves this life, she will return to her seventh density collective. Oh, I know the feeling. I feel you already, Sheila. Sheila celebrate. She's a celebrate author of the Watkins Cosmology of the Soul, an international speaker, multidimensional life coach, healer, regression therapist, shamanic practitioner, and spiritual teacher. Sheila works the higher dimensional frequencies to empower others to embrace their own higher nature to a variety of services. Well, more than that, Sheila is also the founder of the Conscious Awakening Network, known as KEN, the Galactic Alliance Spiritual Way Ministry, and a podcast host for the Conscious Awakening series with Sheila Seppi and Cosmic Conversations. And that's exactly what we're going to have. Amazing Cosmic Conversation. Sheila, welcome back. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here and see everybody. It is truly a joy, huh, Jeff? You and I are really happy to welcome our dear Andromedan friend here tonight. It's just amazing. Yes, and we can continue on those questions that we had the last time you were here. Oh. Um, I still got some extra ones that I just want to finish it. So, but sure, we will do that. But I just want to acknowledge everyone who's joining us tonight. Lisa, Monica, thank you for being here. Angelina, Mike, Aloha. Very nice to have you. Tune by nature. Thank you for being here. And my dear personal friend, Monique, bonjour, who is also here. It is wonderful to, for all of you, I know it's uh, an unusual time for us. Usually we're on at 11 a.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Easter. But tonight is an exception. And welcome, Catherine, as well. Well, Jeff, let's dive. Let's let's dive into these really enlightened cosmic conversation with just an enlightened being here with our friend Sheila. Okay. I'm going to let you dive in with the next, the first sound herb. Series of questions. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. My uh, the question I had was before was about the healing. Um, when when you were being healed, 
Mm-hmm. Were, were you aware of what was going on? Did you watch it? Did they tell you what they were going to do? I mean, was there more more than one uh, aspect going on at the same time? Or you know, I no, it it was it was a once and done. Because what happened is when I went to bed, a very, very sick person, Mm -hmm. then about seven o'clock the next morning, when it felt like someone pulled me bolt right up in bed, when that lightning ran through my body because of the vibrational frequency of the being that, you know, of, of me coming in to the body, it was not compatible with the lower frequencies. And so that was instantly healed. However giving up the diet Mountain Dew, which I used to say was the nectar of the gods, you know, giving up all of the bad eating habits. Um, you know, everything began to shift and to change. And when I went to the doctors, they they were astounded. I am surprised that they actually didn't run a whole lot of tests. So I know that it was spirit guided because you know, they basically just patted me on the head and sent me home and said, wow, I guess our medicines worked. And so they just left it at that. But I only had that one miraculous healing that took place when the new soul entered this body. So they, did they, did they prep you for that new soul or is it, is it compatible Mm -hmm. for everybody? You know, if, um, If they had told me with the mindset that I had then, I wouldn't have believed it. First off, I did not work with spirit guides. I did not believe in past lives. I had never read a metaphysical book. I was Southern Baptist, grew up in the Bible Belt, and had a very, very different outlook on life. And for an event like this to happen, the only thing, we're talking about the walk-in, when the walk-in came in, The only explanation that I had is I must be having a psychotic break because my background was in psychology. And so for me, being very linear thinking, it was like, oh, well, the illness, the dysfunctional marriage, the kids, the job, everything has finally gotten to me and I've just lost it. Did did you when you uh, got better, did you have a better sense of knowing of other stuff? Oh, Immediately. When I came in, I remembered past lives that I talked with my collective because I came in from a collective. And so once I learned who they were and I had developed a relationship with them, I asked them so many questions that they were really my teachers. And so anything that I needed to know, I just went to them. So I didn't have, there was no pre-warning. There was nothing. And the things that happened to me immediately, I started remembering past lives that I didn't believe in. Later, when I asked my collective, they said they were not my past lives, but because of the activation that had occurred within the cellular structure of the body, it activated those memories. And so I was remembering them. Plus, as a walk-in, when you come in, you take all the cosmic miasmic, you know, debt that has to be paid. You agree to finish that person's lives. You take on all of the responsibilities that they would have had. And it took me from 1999 until 2012 
to get everything cleared up to where I could truly start implementing my path. Now I had, I was doing my own thing. I'd already opened my own business and everything back in 07, but everything really anchored in as more and more of that soul energy began to come into the body. Okay. Now, and you got multiple entities that were helping you that are with you. Okay. Typically, typically when someone is born, a soul enters into the body through the top of the head and it attaches to the, the body through what we call the silver cord. So the soul can enter in and out, you know, at will. When the, in, the soul of this body left, that silver cord was severed. And so when I came in, everything had to be reattached. All of the chakras had to be changed out. The meridians had to be changed out. The ley lines had to be upgraded. The holographic matrixing had to be, you know, upgraded. The spiritual bodies, everything that made me me had to be upgraded. Wait, wait, when you say you, mm -hmm. the, the physical you or the... The, the soul me. The soul, you. The okay. soul me. And yeah. when I entered, most people, when they come in at birth, they come in from wherever they're coming from, another planet, a dimension. Maybe they've had a time of rest. Maybe they're reincarnating. Uh, but when they come in, they attach to the body and they, you know, pretty much stay. And when I came in because of the activation I came in bringing additional information, but I had that information because I was part of a collective, not just a single soul. Mm -hmm. um, all Everything is based on octaves and vibrations and frequencies. And so when we talk about like a higher self, that's, that's just a higher octave of who we already are. We're already embodied. We're already ascended. We just have to remember that. But when we're in human form, we have the veil of forgetfulness. We don't remember who we are. But the collective itself was not from my higher self. It was not from the Shantias Khan. It was from the actual oversoul itself. Because if this is the oversoul, these are multidimensional lives. All of these lives had come back together and was here. And we basically were in the Andromedan system when... Um, Gaia cried out and we came to assist the planet. And I was already working in the crystalline grid system, uh, putting in new codes, sending in new frequencies and vibrations because we were getting ready with the for the concordance and the convergence at that time. But then that was in the 80s. So in 99, when the soul of this body cried out to be released, I was already there. Now, I am not a future aspect of this soul. I am not, you know, any part of the old soul, but we all are one anyway. And so within a higher aspect of the larger oversoul, there was a compatible resonant frequency. And so from the collective, it was decided that this, I, would be the aspect to inhabit the body but I never disconnected from my collective. And so I am them and they are me. And, uh, you know, we just, 
that's the way we work. Okay, so the person that you entered, was that person uh, dying? Yes. Okay, so that timeline stopped and you just re-entered her yes, body yeah. and continued your timeline from the collective. That is correct. So when I came in, it was with the whole purpose of being a way show or trying to help people to be boots on the ground, mm -hmm. you know, like Vivian, you know, you have to have people here. There's the prime directive of non-interference. So when you're out here working, there's only so much you can do, but when you're here on the ground working, then there's a lot more that you can do. You can have communications, you can have groups, you can set up a television network, you can do all of those things to try to get the messaging out there. And so that was my intended purpose because I was doing the same thing in the crystalline grid. It's just down here, I'm using a different methodology. Okay, now do you have an Akashic record for you now? Since that the one that you entered that record is ended and if you jumped into her body and continued on with that with the form you have now mm -hmm. do you have an akashic record i'm sure that we all have a blended akashic um i've never had an akashic reading because if i have a question i just ask mm -hmm. you know for myself and then they they just give me the answer you know the akasha really starts you know in our higher bodies and it's there it's accessible anybody can access you know can access it uh we just have to you know be focused and be prepared to listen to the information that comes through as a human species we're not taught how to put that body mind ego complex aside and just operate through soul or spirit and so my mission here is, I mean, I'm just as human as everybody else. And, you know, I get frustrated and angry and hurt and all that kind of stuff like everybody else. But I always try to remember to operate from a place of soul because I know who I am. And I know that this is just a temporary vessel. And it seems like a long time here, but it's literally, I mean, just a blink of an eye. Okay, um, Vivian, you can answer this one too. Now, we we know these beings as uh, as an example, Andromedans, Arcturians, uh, Umo, you know, blah blah blah. Is and and I know that who we call the Umo, which I do a lot of research on. Um, that's not what they're really called. Okay, that's not what they're known as. To us, they're known as a Umo because we reference a planet, which is not even called Umo. It's a it's a it's a number. But we use names. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are are those names is is that what they're known as? Like a, an Arcturian is known as an is that what they're known as? Is an Andromedan known as Hey, hey George? Hey George, how you doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, Vivi, if you want to go ahead and answer too. Well, uh, it's a it's a great observation, Jeff, and in, both of us are smiling because we know that the labels work very differently on intergalactic level. So, for example, when when we enter the Andromedan Council with my delegation and we see each other, we do greet each other, but not in the same way. Going, hey George, good to see you, Jeff. How are you doing, Martin? You know, there's different ways now for a 
labeling perspective, I think we recognize each other by the uniqueness of the frequency mm -hmm. that each soul group emanates. Uh, I know that, for example, the word Arcturian, the way it's spelled, is not completely the way it is, but shows for the purpose of relating to human beings and human beings to relate to us, that the word Arcturian is right. So there's different uh, phonetics even in the troll when you say Arcturian mm -hmm. in a certain way, same thing with Andromedan. Andromedan become almost more of a point of reference because of the galaxy or the constellation. Mm -hmm. But in, it works a bit differently at this level. What what would be your take, Sheila, on that? Yeah, absolutely, because um, you can communicate verbally, but that's kind of a slow waste of time. Right. And everything is telepathic. And so there's no need to say, hey, George, because you connect immediately on a wavelength. And so there's an acknowledgement of the energy. And then, you know, the communication takes place. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't ever recall. Um, no one in my collective has a name. They said I can call them whatever I want to. Right. And I do for just purposes for my identification, because as humans, we like to label everything. So we know what we're talking about. It gives it space. It gives it time. It's and a point of reference. Yeah, it's just a point of reference. But working with them, um, they don't have a name and I know who's working with me depending on the vibrational frequency that I feel. You know, when I'm doing healing work, I have a healing team that comes in and works through me and yet I can see them. You know, I see them out here just as much as I feel them in here. So we're just an extension of each other. And I think, you know, when you're looking at the higher dimensional planes, it's the same way too. And the reality of it is, you know, whether it's an earthling, an Arcturian, an Andromedan, whatever, we're all still divine sparks of source. And our whole of reality is to have experiences, to grow, to expand. And so, you know, when you are at those higher levels, you know those things. You operate from that law of oneness, that place of beingness. And the beauty is, well, I don't know if it's beautiful or not, but you you also retain when you incarnate into another body on another planet, you also retain the past life information that you want to retain. So you get to choose that. But here it's kind of like we get amnesia and we forget who we are and, you know, everything out there is non-existent because when you leave the earth, so many people think, Oh, you know, it's going to be, you know, fluffy and no, it's all, there's no, no, there's as much like polarity. <laughs> yeah, there's as much fifth density, <laughs> you know, yeah. only when you get out of the body and you're in pure consciousness are things peaceful. There's still, you know, duality out there. There's duality in all the, the five, the fifth density, planets and so i mean there's such a misconception of a of a of a higher realm being better than what you're living right it, there's no way right no, and i would have to say what what i'm talking about even though it's in fifth density it's still solidified it still has form because if all of us right now transition let's say to sixth density we're vibrating at the same frequency we would still see each other 
we would yeah. still see the things around us. But when you're at a lower density and you're looking up, you can't, you know, you can't see those things. Yes. Thank you, Sheila. We There's already two questions in the chat room for you. If that's okay, I'd like to uh, read the first question for you. Of course. Uh, the first question comes from Pat asking, can one experience this walk-in phenomena on a solo level? And if so, is it a permanent? Can they experience a walk-in experience on what type of a level? A on a solo level. On a, a, a lower level. I got it. Um, you know, walk-ins, it depends on what the mission of a walk-in is. They don't have to be a higher being that comes in, but I can tell you that true walk-ins always come in with a higher resonant frequency than the soul that's leaving. But depending on the individual, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, somebody that needed to reincarnate that still has a higher frequency, but they still have a whole lot of work that they need to do. But, you know, the people that I used to interview, I would find that that could be the case. The people that I know now that are coming in as walk-ins, man, they're hitting the ground running. And they're not just coming in from a star system or at a dimension, they're coming in and bringing the totality of an oversoul. And I mean, you still can't, I shouldn't say a totality of the oversoul. They're coming in as a higher collective. And so it used to be that people, you know, when they came in, they woke up then as a star seed. And there's thousands of star seeds on the planet that are waking up, but they're not walk-ins. You know, in my case, this body was expiring anyway. And so it was kind of like, you know, if you've seen the movie Nemo, mine, 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 mine was my body. You know? So when the other soul left and then this aspect came in, it just so happened that we were from a higher frequency and we had a job to do and it was decided we could do it better on the ground. So, you know, Pat, I think, and that's a great question. Um, I think that it's possible when you say lower, I assume you're talking about a density or a dimensional level. Yeah. As long as it's higher than the soul that left. Okay. Now you talk about oversoul. Okay. Um, um, my understanding of the oversoul is that it is in charge of an unlimited amount of timelines for that one person. Okay. Um, and one like your oversoul is for you it isn't for you vivian me mm -hmm. one, one oversoul is strictly for you um so and yeah. that also makes the decision for the shiva seppis okay is, okay is is that the same as a collective or are the oversouls part of a collective okay so let me back up so um when I first realized that I was a walk-in, it really bothered me because I didn't know what happened to this soul. And I was like, oh my God, am I a body snatcher? I can't be a body snatcher, you know? And so they're like, no, 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 no. You're not a body snatcher. The teaching that they gave me 
even in the book I wrote, Walk-In's Cosmology of the Soul, I barely just hit the tip of the iceberg. Um, if you start um, at the very top with source and the individuation, there is a source monadic structure that's in place that holds all the templates and the blueprints of creation. And then as that oversoul template begins to unfold, there is then a master oversoul that's in charge of every soul period here, other galaxies. It doesn't matter. It's a soul. Okay. And so that's the master oversoul. And then you come down and you have a larger oversoul, which contains multiple, multiple like um, soul groups. And of course, within soul groups, you have soul families. And from there, when you individuate out of a soul family, then you have another oversoul that holds all of the aspects, like I was saying here. But when you incarnate, these are each different timelines and lifetimes. But at the very tip is what my collective calls the Shantias Khan. And the Shantias Khan is... Um, it's kind of like your own personal cloud storage that has everything that you need for the life that you're living right now. And from that comes down a higher self stream. And from the higher self stream, when it attaches to the physical body, that's known as the soul, because that's the personality for this lifetime. And then the energy that emanates off of it and feeds is what's called the spirit. And that's outside the body. So when the body expires, then the information from the soul just kind of goes back up into the oversoul. The oversoul, I mean, not the oversoul, but into the higher self. The higher self then is unwinding all of that information, doing all of the data storage, while this aspect out here, the spiritual bodies, the higher causal bodies, then are undergoing that soul review. Thank so you everybody so has a job to do. <laughs> uh, Jeff, we lost the sound on your hand here. We're not able to hear you. Hey, I'm the dog starting to act up. Can can one of the timelines uh, visually see another timeline? Would that what we would call be called deja vu? You know, what I think a deja vu is, um, and I wrote about this just a little bit, but deja vu is when any of these lifetimes, which could also be a parallel lifetime, um, any of these lifetimes, when there is a, um, if you want to call it another resonance factor, if there's a resonance, a stream of data, a vibration that you're doing something at the same time, another one of your aspects is doing something, then there's a solidification of the experience and you're like, whoa. And that's what feels like deja vu because we have to remember there truly is no, you know, past, present and future. Everything is happening here in the now moment. So like if this pen is time, you can incarnate. If this is like the beginning of time and this is where we are now, you can incarnate anywhere on here all at one time. So in essence, you could be your great grandfather. Absolutely. It's all interconnected. It really is. 
it redefined the meaning of being a multidimensional being. Right? It really brings that into perspective. Right. And, you know, it would be so easy if as children, people taught us these concepts hmm. because that's reality. But we're in the false matrix, you know, to try to keep us um, docile, if you will. And they're not kids aren't taught the truth. They're taught whatever they put in history books. And, you know, if you go back, if you look at kids, the stuff that's in their school books now, it has nothing to do with the history we were taught. No. Yeah. Unbelievable. They're just changing history. But it doesn't exist anyway, so of course you could change it. <laughs> well, it's like saying we're in 2024, but it's not right. really. Right. It's, just a, it's just a linear point of reference that we all agreed upon. Exactly. exactly. I mean, at some point, somebody said, we're going to reset time from 2000 down to zero, and then from there it's zero, one, two, three again. So, you know, it's, again, quantific the quantification of time through a linear perspective. And luckily we're shifting out of it. We're becoming more and more cosmic universal. So that's the good news. Sheila, there's another question for you. Um, the question is, are you able to sense other walk-ins? And that's from Catherine. Typically, yes. And if I'm in their presence, a lot of times I see like there's um like there's a little shimmer in their field. And at first I didn't know what that was. I actually went to the eye doctor because <laughs> I thought, oh man, there's something wrong with my eyes. I'm seeing these shimmers on people, and they're like, I thought maybe my retina was coming detached or something, but no, it was not. But yes, a lot of times I can. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty awesome. No, no wonder, no wonder. Well, people are really active, and there's another question from Sarah. Says Sheila, do you retain the life memories of the previous soul? If so, is it through cellular memory? I think you covered that a little bit, but I think that we bring and, some clarification. <laughs> I have to say that is a loaded question because here's what happened. When I first came in, I had no memories. Well, I can't say no. I remembered my mom and dad. I remembered my kids and I had a few select memories and that was it. Thus making it easy to get a divorce within three months of coming into the body. Cause it's like, who is this person and why am I cohabiting with them? I don't think so. So I did not have those memories. I did ask constantly, I, I like, I want more memories of the kids. I want memories of the pregnancies. I want memories. And they're like, those aren't your memories. You've got enough to do. And so I went about that for a long time. And then um, a, a person from you know, within my family lineage was acting really weird. And every time I was around them, they were just very odd. And so I told the collective, I'm like, look, I know you said they're not my memories, but I need to know as a human being why this person responds this way. What do I need to do differently? 
That was a loaded question because not only did they give me those memories, when those memories started coming in, it brought in more miasmic codes that then got lodged in my field that seeped down into my cellular structure. And I had a whole new set of old stuff that the body had gone through that I had to clear. So the answer is I had a few memories and I should have left it at that. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine feeling overloaded with all this sensory input and codes and the memory and everything. It's, it's the same thing when people says, oh, I want to remember my past lives. I would always say, use wisely. Only ask what it serves you the best in this lifetime. And the rest is just point of reference because otherwise it can really overwhelm you. Careful what yeah. you ask for. That's right? right. You know, because we also have to remember, you know, we're, we're still under the auspice of the false matrix. And my collective had told me that like 12,000 years ago that there was a physioelectric field that came and it was pushing down on the crystalline grid and it was implanting all of these codes. Well, the crystalline grid is connected to the ley lines in the earth and that's kind of one way that information is constantly coming in. And so when these new codes were coming in, they went through the collective consciousness, they were connecting in with the ley lines and forever people were cocooned in that energy. Well, fortunately that field is no longer there, but because we were subject to it for thousands of years, behavioral responses, ancestral lineages, etc., now have been imprinted with that false coding. And so a lot of times when we think everything is copacetic, we dig deeper and we lay, we bring up another layer of ancestral lineage. Cause you know, I work with people all the time and they'll say, I thought I cleared that. And it's like, well, I think you did clear it, but now we go back and we find out that it was, you know, a miasmic pattern. Miasmic mean it can be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It gets passed down, you know, just like, Grandpa had a crooked smile. I have a crooked smile. My great grandpa had a crooked smile. Those types of family genetics get passed down, as do the miasmic karmic patterning as well. Oh, absolutely. This is why it's so important to recognize and mm -hmm. who you are and get in tune with who you are very much so. Um, sideways into that, you mentioned about holographic vision. So Colleen is asking. If someone has holographic vision, how do we interpret what we are seeing? Is it not quite over overwhelming? When I'm working with holographic vision, it I'm letting the collective come through. You know, sometimes, honestly, I mean, I can still see the pixelizations and I have really trained my brain to just like look at the wall look at the computer, look at the sky. The sky is one of the worst for me because you can see like the big holes and everything in it. But um, for me, I only utilize the holographic eyesight when I'm doing healing work. And then my collective is working through me. So I don't have to worry about it. They take care of everything. 
I completely relate to that as well. I do the same thing. I go into holographic state or vision, especially when we are of service, whether it's a group or a healing session or something in that nature. Well, I would say though, and, and, and Jeff, I want to input on that too. I have noticed that more and more people, their eyesight is shifting. They're mm -hmm. like having more pressure around the eyes, optical nerve. Uh, I feel like there's a triangulation of activation around with the third eye, the, the physical eye. So can it be to some degree that part of the human template, human evolution, and that there's a change at that level to see how we can perceive reality? Yeah. Was that a question for Jeff? Uh, well, for both of you, actually. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have diabetes, so my eyes are pretty bad until Vivian fixed them. Um, but, you know, um, as far as a holographic, um, I don't think that you could see that. Um, in my opinion, because, you know, everything is frequency, vibration, resonance, all that together. And um, I don't think you could see that, that the holographic stuff. Because that's a projection based on a three-dimensional um, physics, right? I mean, it all depends on where the original source is from. I mean, if it's from like a 5D source or something and you're not 5D or 6D, I, I don't think you can see it. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, human body octaves are. I don't know what this holographic field, um, I don't, you know, what the hertz, what the megahertz is. But I know that the only time I use that is for the healing. And then, you know, when I'm looking at it, I'm raising my vibration to mm -hmm. be able to see in that field. Let's say that the field is fifth dimension. Okay. Let's say it's fifth dimensional field. I have to raise my vibration up to match whatever that is. But that's not something that, you know, I would choose to sustain for any period of time because it kind of, you know, it takes the fun out of it. I, I mean, honestly, I used to look outside and I literally had to retrain my brain not to see that everything is holographic. It's not fun. You know, part of the, the beauty of being here on the earth is you get to see a tree, you smell the tree. You don't want to be looking through the tree. You don't want to see that pixelization. That's why I have said, we're in a video game. Oh, no, you know, kind of thing. But that's the way everything is structured and held together. Well, it, because everything is based on this reality. Yeah, okay. it's agreed upon. Yeah, the, the matrix, you know, part of the matrix is like the agreed upon things that, you know, when you come to earth, it's like your little checklist. Okay. This is a tree. This is a car. This works this way. This works that way. And you have all that skill set to come so that when that veil of forgetfulness is on, it's like, oh yes, you've got that automatic remembrance of the rules of the game here. Yeah. Just like when you get a tree, a tree has a vibrational characteristic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But when you make a table, on a wood, it has that same vibrational character. Yes, That's where you can see it. Because yeah. I, even though it's not connected to the ground, 
it still holds that frequency within it, which leads to another question I'm going to ask you later on. But it, it every object resonates at a certain frequency, I guess, for lack of a better term. No matter if it's a, a piece of wood, a piece of steel, it's anything that was created from the earth in any form will have some sort of dynamic frequency with it. Yeah. So yeah, you can even a water bottle. Yeah. You know, everything is held together by molecules, period. And what's in the middle? Nothing. The God stuff. Everything is, it doesn't matter where it came from, liquid, wood, whatever, metal, it still has a vibrational frequency to it. That's why you could see it and touch it. Yeah, exactly. Does that answer the question, kind of, maybe? maybe yeah. Beautifully, beautifully. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just to, it helps to ignite other aspects in people. It's really inspirational. It opens the field to other possibilities. So what can we say, Sheila? You're quite popular tonight. There's another question for you from Tamara, who says, Sheila, I don't have childhood memories, and I often wonder if there was a walking experience. There could have been a walk-in experience. And a lot of times what we find is that um, a majority of the population do not have childhood memories from like age seven back. And especially if there was trauma. Now trauma doesn't mean that you were tied up and beaten. Trauma can be you dropped something, you were afraid, you, you know, you were reprimanded, but because of the being fragile in that moment, it logged in the body as trauma. You know, death is trauma. Illness is trauma to the body and especially with young children. And so, you know, really the only way to know is like you can find someone that does hypnosis you can have a session with vivian you can have a session with me we can you know go back and and look at those kinds of things but a walk-in is definitely one possibility and that's a really good point i like what you're saying Sheila. the thing is that i might correct to say that a walking situation, it's a sacred thing. That it's, it's mm -hmm. an agreement. It's, it's there's a lot of different connotation and that take place. It's not just something that can happen just because you have no memories, or it's not something that can be applied to so many scenarios. But I understand it's, it's much more precise than that. Would you say that it is accurate? Absolutely. You know, people cannot ask for a walk-in to occur. It, it does not work that way. There is a pre-birth agreement that goes back eons of time, or like in my case, when the soul cried out to be released, we were there and we picked up that frequency and the decision was made that I would, you know, that I would come in, but we're still talking nonlinear time. So a lot of stuff still has to take place before the soul can anchor in to the body. But, you know, one of the things that I'm finding now 
a lot of people will come to me and think that they're a walk-in. And in fact, they're not a walk-in, but they've still had this phenomenal soul experience. And it is my belief that because of all the personal work that people are doing, all of the clearing that they're doing, the meditation work, everything, they're raising their own vibrational frequency. And because of that, they then match higher aspects of themselves and they're able to pull it down and anchor it in. I call that a soul infusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it just makes me smile. I must say on a personal level, it always makes me smile because not only the group consciousness of the Andromedan with the group consciousness of the Octurians mm -hmm. were so in sync with each other. It's like we're utilizing a very different, very similar understanding with very similar semantic words, just some little variation uniqueness. But it's like, it really feels like a feel of infinite energy that's just blended to each other. Mm -hmm. And that brings me personally very ancient intergalactic memories of when thousands and thousands of years ago, you know, we start to collaborate and connect with the Octurian, uh, the Andromedan, their council and how our realms connected. And it's just, I'm here sitting and I'm smiling for so many reasons. So if you see me going, hmm, like this is because you know. <laughs> yeah. Vivian, I have to tell you this too, and maybe maybe this has happened with you also. I was uh, conducting a healing session the other day with my healing team, and there's an Andromedan, an Arcturian, an Angelic member, which are aspects. And all of a sudden, we finished the session just like we've done a thousand times. And right above the person's head were these like donut rings of light. And they were just like, stacked on top of each other you know the kids toy that kind of teeter-totters and, and you drop the donuts down and they stack up well these were like that but they were all the same size and i was getting ready to conclude and they were just like no and then all of a sudden like bam started at the feet came all the way up to the head super super bright light couldn't see the person and then all of a sudden it started being absorbed by the field and when it was over, just for a moment, it was like, I wasn't sure if I was seeing the person, if I was seeing their energetic bodies, but they, they looked very, very differently to me. And I didn't know if you'd had anything like that to happen or anything, but I can tell you, I think that's part of the new holographic matrixing that's coming onto the planet because our gridding, everything is being upgraded. And I'm wondering if those donuts, you know, I'm like, hey, where's mine? Bring me my, I want my donuts. You know, it looks so cool. I didn't get them, but you know, I was, it, it looked like this huge, I don't know, like a bath of energy, just like, and it was so soft. And when you did your hands, like, it's like, oh, that was the feeling, you know, that motion. And that's what reminded me. So I had to mention that. Lo love it. Love it. And we call them the, the next level of spherical uh, light spectrum coming in, interweaving into 
the next body, the next light body, or even the plasma light body. And, and it's all part of the new grid system coming into uh, the earth this year. And it's one thing that my Octarian group have told me right at the beginning of 2024, and even though in Asia, the new year's coming um, soon, but we're still within the energy field of the new year, so to speak. It's that get ready and get your, your, yourself really upgraded because the new grid system coming and it's going to change the dynamic in the matrix reality. It's going to change. So there's, I can feel, and let me know also, Jeff, if you feel something similar. And of course, Sheila, I feel like there's a very palpable disassociation of the old timeline mm -hmm. in terms of with the new grid system coming in. I feel like we've been overing with each other, the two, the two timelines. But I feel we're really finally going to disassociate ourselves from the old timeline. And that's going to create a whole aspect of shift and transformation very much so. So I'd like to hear from both of you if you've been, based on what you just shared, Sheila, if something that you feel have been perceiving also for you <clears throat> and on a planetary level coming up. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Um what, what what I think is um, similar to what you think in the end, but what I think is that you got um, different dimensions that are coalescing with each other right now, like they're like they're touching each other, but they're not supposed to, but they are. Okay, and a case in point is the uh, that mall alien in Miami. Okay, um, I think after looking at everything. I am thinking that there's probably a, a binding of two dimensions and it just so happens it happened in Miami. Okay. And somebody walked through or somebody happened to be in the wrong spot and they appeared in Miami. Um, that also happened that that actually happens quite a lot. We just don't know it, but I do know that uh, there was a, a happening of the green children in a wool pit. Ireland, I think it was, hmm. uh, and and uh, was these these two children that just out of a field just appeared out of a field. They were green, and uh, they actually lived a long life. And they stayed in England. It was, probably was Northern England, but it's, they asked them where they came from, and they said they were out in the field, and they heard a, a loud whistle noise. And next thing you know, there's this village. Okay. And, and they were um, um, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. but, but I think that it's that happens quite often where you have the coalescing of different dimensions and uh, portals are open, but it's not a portal per se, you know, because portals are fixed areas. These are not fixed. These are just random, random openings that happen. And if you're in the wrong spot at the wrong time, you are, you know, someplace else and i'm sure that happens a lot down in argentina and brazil and because they got a lot of them sightings down there too so um i think that a lot of these uh dimensions are coming together because of the multi-universe that we, we all believe in mm -hmm. um i think that they're starting to to um condense together to become as one or we're becoming closer to them are being absorbed by them and so that we'll be able to what we would call like a 5d split i guess you could say right something like that anyways that, that that's what i think cool 
Amazing. Thank you, Jeff. One of the things um, that I have noticed over the past several years, you know, it used to be that the lower astral operated right above and around the earth. But now that lower astral has dropped and is actually part of our three reality. And that, in my opinion, is why so many people are able to see the dragons. They're able to see little people. They're able to see disincarnate souls, whereas before they never saw that. There's much more paranormal activity that's going on. And I truly believe it's because everything is compressing in. The other thing that I think is happening is because of all the shifts and changes and upgrades that are happening, we literally are changing the DNA within our very own structure, meaning that we're also breaking out of that false matrix DNA that we've been under. So for me, like when we talk about the ascension, you know, we've all probably done ascension a thousand times. But the important thing with this one is we're breaking free. Of that false matrix because we are creating synergy as a, a group, as a society, as a human race, and we're raising that frequency together. And in 2012, when that huge photonic wave came across the planet, like if this is Earth, I always saw it as it started that breaking away. You know, and so now we've we've been here with this Vesica Pisces being, you know, like the fourth dimension and we're starting to literally move out and away from that old false matrixing or it's being pulled away and certain people that vibrate at that level will go and then the other people will stay um and so you know there's just so much happening you know i have people all the time that come in that are talking to me about things that even a year ago, they didn't even believe in. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, it's sideways to an observation slash question. And Catherine asked, and I think it's really much related to what you've both been observing. Um, there apparently been reports of blue and silver energy entering in the Arctic circle. And that blue beings are helping to bring it to bring that energy. So are you familiar with uh, this apparently phenomenal happening in the Arctic Circle or these so-called blue beings? I mean, I'm not familiar with it, but it doesn't surprise me for a couple of different reasons. We know that that is one of the entrances into inner earth. And because of everything that's been going on in the Arctic, they've been disturbing that entire race of beings that have been underground, peaceful for however many thousands of years. That's one thing. The other thing is, uh, uh, you know, right above the Arctic Circle, we have a huge hole (laughs) in our electromagnetic field. You know, it is so thin that, I mean... My goodness, I'm surprised that something hasn't come through, which makes me think that regardless of what they're saying about the ozone layer, 
we've still got more layers up there that they have not yet identified where they they, whoever they are, have identified it, but they just haven't shared with us. That has to be a protective barrier. You can't have a hole half the size of a continent and not have solar radiation just beating the heck out of that area. And of course, the snow and stuff is melting, but I think that's because a lot of the yeah, maybe it could be some of the radiation, but I think a lot of it has to do with what they're doing under the ground. Yeah, now the blue beings, now they're called the Dravidians, and they actually came mm. from the west coast of India. I know a little bit about them. Andromedans. Well, these are different. These these are uh, <laughs> highly, highly adorned um, people. Okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of gold, uh, a lot of staffs. And uh, there's very beautiful people, mm -hmm. um, and um, they enter in from the south of the uh, the South Pole. Awesome. No, I'm not familiar with them. But that's so. Uh, me neither, actually. But a curiosity, Jeff, do you think that they has to do something to do with these blue and silver energy? has been apparently entering into the Arctic Circle, maybe as a way to compensate for that old, huge hole there, and to maybe to create a form of higher form of barrier to the planet. Um, I have not known of the, of the silver people. I mean, that, that could be just light, light beings going through there. But I do know that the blue ones are Dravidians. Um, and they they occupy the inner earth. Okay. How do you say that again? I want to write that down. Dravidian. Dravidian. D r a v i d i a n s. I got a I got a bio of uh, them. Believe it or not. So. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. They're they're very they're they're good. There's a there's um there's a leader. There's guards. That type of thing. Like I said, there's almost like a Romanesque type of outfit that mm. they wear. And uh, no, they're very, uh, very cool people. Yeah. Well, it's 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 also illustrated another point that you look at different and uh, ancient history, uh, mm -hmm. Roman Empire, Babylonia, ancient Egypt. You can tell there's a lot of intergalactic groups or interdimensional beings that were associated with these civilizations. So when you say that these group, these blue beings. Or rope or dress almost like in the Roman style. I'm thinking, well, they may have been beyond the influence of the Roman Empire without real is without history being known about it. Interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. Well, Sheila, I want to go back to an aspect in your bio about your experience with the angelic realm. Because uh -huh. that's another beautiful uh, aspect and where you were given the name. Nawila. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when we all individuate from source, we go somewhere. You know, we don't just sit around drinking coffee on clouds. Okay. We do things. We have jobs. We start learning who we are. When I first individuated, my first stop was in the angelic realm. And I stayed there for a long time. I did a lot of work uh, with the Elohim. I am not Elohim, but the way 
<clears throat> that I, it was explained to me as I came through the Elohim and then was kind of like a little worker bee for a long period of time, helping to create other angelic realms, helping to do whatever it was that needed to be done, carrying some of that co-creative energy. Um, of course, we all have that co-creative energy, but, you know, carrying that, that the Elohim held until that particular job was done. And then from there, um, I think that's where I started out then officially, like in the Andromedan system. And just like all of us, we've all had tons of lifetimes. So and I was in the Andromedan system and then I went to other star systems and depending on the jobs, like when I was Arcturian, you know, when I was there, I studied with a lot of the masters, you know, for long periods of time. And, you know, after however many cycles was complete, then I went on to do something else. But when I, um, through all of these incarnations, all of those various aspects that had those experiences came back together and were part of that Oversoul Collective that we were then moved back into the Andromedan system um, before I came back to Earth. I can see that for you in terms of how your soul journey and shows different type of assignment to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, from the angelic realm, going into the Andromedan, then coming to our realm to study with us. And then how everything is very much interweave into your, like you said, your soul, your oversoul group, like this reservoir of knowledge that you can really tap into depending on what serves you. This is why we agree in a sense that we always recommend people to stay focused in the lifetime at hand, yes. this lifetime, for example, because you have embodying aspect of roles that you need the most, mm -hmm. whether it's an intergalactic connection, angelic, past memories, uh, connections to the knowledge. You bring in all the tools that you need in what we call your soul design and interweaving that into this lifetime. So I love what you just share about, you know, beginning with the angelic realm. I have a question for you. So according to your experience and knowledge, what is the difference between the angelic realm and the intergalactic groups? And when you're talking about intergalactic groups, are you talking about uh, the light beings? Well, there's many intergalactic groups. It's the star beings. It's right. Whether it's a Lyrans, whether it's a Pleiadian, whether it's, Right. Those from Vega. Well, for me, the angelic realm has a totally different vibration and frequency. Most of the angelics um, that were there when I was there had never yet incarnated. And so the essence was very, very pure, very high. Once you incarnate, you, see, you know, you're kind of like a high school kid that knows everything. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But once you lose that first initial innocence, you carry that energy with you. And when I say innocence, that's that pure, pure expression from source energy. 
before you've ever done anything else other than that original job. And so for me, that realm was a, a much higher realm. Now, one of the things that they also showed me, uh, because I asked one time, I said, all right, we're talking about realms, we're talking about frequencies, we're talking about universes, and yes, I know everything happens at once, but I don't understand the uh, concept of realms. And what I was shown is when that light first, you know, broke out, light didn't travel just in a straight line. It had those you know, vibrational waves and between the peaks and the valleys, that's what they were calling a realm. So you can have an angelic frequency that goes eternity, but there's many, many realms within that one frequency. So like if this is the frequency, all these little bitty hairs could be different realms within that one frequency. And a realm is not the same as a dimension. A realm is not the same as a dimension. In my opinion, realms don't have dimensions. We, we, and there are no dimensions anyway, really. I mean, that's just another term that we've come up with, dimensions and densities, just so that we can kind of grasp something. It's, it's octaves of vibrational frequency is what it is. And so for humans, we can't just look at the total picture and say, oh, yeah, that's what it is. That's why we're not ready for telepathy yet. We have to, you have to be able to, to look at, absorb, and be one with the totality of the experience. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sheila. Really beautiful. You have any questions, more questions, Jeff, you would like to ask, Sheila? Oh, yeah. Um, I want to get back to the uh, walk-in uh, part. Um, um, can a... Uh, can a normal person become a walk-in instantly? Only because uh, I know people were, were talking before about uh, they would just say, hey, I'm a walk-in. You know, I don't know if it's just like a new term for them or they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. They want you to do something and they feel good about something and they want you to be part of something. So, hey, I'm a walk-in, you know, but I said, I don't think that that could happen because you're already occupying yourself. You can't have something else occupy it with you right. because it won't be you, you know? The only thing that I can think of, um, I there mean, there are different, different types of soul experiences, but for a walk-in, a true walk-in, one soul out, another soul in, yeah, yeah. that's a huge process. Yeah. And you can't just go out to lunch and be drinking coffee and then all of a sudden right. you become a walk-in. It yeah. doesn't work that way. It would knock right. you on your feet. I know people that have had waking experiences of becoming a walk-in and they stop dead in their tracks that are arched back. There's all kinds of stories about things that happen to people, but that doesn't mean they didn't have a soul experience of some kind. Maybe they woke up and maybe they're a star seed that has just been activated. Correct. They, Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think. That's what I think too. It just said, it's just a buzz term that I think that they want to feel, you know, they want to feel like, they can want to contribute so bad that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a walk-in. I'm a, 
Andromedan walking or I'm a Palladian walking, man, you know. And I can do all that stuff too, just like you can do it, that type thing, you know. <laughs> so. I say awesome. <laughs> that just lightens everybody's load. One more, you know, one more here. Woohoo. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Another thing I want to know is too is uh can can let me think here. I'm gonna put this. Um can an object, an inanimate object, have certain uh, powers uh, or carry over um, certain, you know, uh, I mean, let me, let me like just tell you. Like a Chucky doll? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There, there, there's this painting called The Anguish Man, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it is this, uh, this, uh, a painter that was uh, uh, painting himself with a self-portrait, <clears throat> and uh, he used part of his blood to uh, paint the uh, painting, okay, because his life was so shitty that he just gave it all to the painting, and then after the painting was done, he killed himself, okay? So you got this, this anguished man uh, painting that uh, kind of takes on his his life that he had, and everybody that possess the painting bad things happen to the owner of the painting mm -hmm. okay is is that could that actually be could that could that painting really possess stuff like that well i know in shamanism um there's a practice of making talismans and when you make a talisman you're actually putting your energy into anything that we do if we're writing typing washing our hair, whatever it is, we're putting energy into that. If this gentleman actually put his blood on that painting, it actually has his DNA. Yeah. Okay. And so negativity in and of itself can just dissipate and go away. But when you have an accumulation of negativity for a long period of time, it begins to morph and take on a different energy and it can take on a life of its own. I can see how that would happen. Um, somebody should just release him and let him go. But yeah, I mean, I could see how something like that could happen. No. Just knowing yes. about the DNA and how that works. If he put his own blood on that canvas. Well, that yeah. that's the story. I mean, if it actually happened that way, I, I have, I have no idea. It's just, it was just a story that I was reading. That was just like, kind of enthralled by it like you know talk about putting yourself into the painting i mean if your life is that bad you know then then you kill yourself does you know then your body your oversoul takes your soul out you know is that residue part of that over his soul's residue didn't go with the oversoul it just stayed with the painting it would you know? just be whatever's left over that energy trail that's stuck in that um, astral realm. So, I, I mean, I could see how that could happen. But also, it can be just like, you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts go on a camping trip. They're sitting around the fire. They're eating marshmallows. They're telling scary stories. And the next thing you know, everybody hears something. Everybody sees something. So, it could also, you know, be a mass synergy that gets created. I mean, there's a lot of explanations. Yeah, well, I like to share something personally that I experience, and that fits right in 
into what uh, you just talked about. I won't give any personal details, but I just say that once upon a time I was given a mm. a crystal, a beautiful crystal in the form of a sphere, a ball. Okay, and that person who gave me that sphere, that crystal and sphere, said to me, "This is very personal." to me as a gift to you. So I was very moved thinking that there was other energy behind it. So I brought a crystal home. I had a stand and I put the sphere on top. The counter realized that this stone was a good doorway to watch, to to, to connect to me. It's like having a, an Alexa device in your kitchen and listen everything that you say, by the way, it's true. So that crystal became so attuned, it became like a, a portal to access to me. And then a lot of things happened around that. And then so the story, long story short, when I realized what this is about and who is connected to, I had to throw it in the bottom of a lake to really disconnect myself from it. So I am, anything is possible in terms of intention, imprint, what is created for, and so forth. So that's something I will always remember all my life in terms of experience. Right, especially crystals, because mm -hmm. they talk to each other. They are the, they are the crystal beings. They are beings. They're, they're sentient. Yep. They oscillate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and there's a beautiful question for Sheila. If it's okay, I'm going to read it. Um, and I'm sorry, I have a hard time pronouncing the name of this person. Uh, Mahala Haskimi. I hope I do it justice. I apologize. The question says, for the last two months, I have been witnessing fireworks like color energy entering our field, our energetic field. When I practice cosmic exercises with and with a friend online is this potentially from angelic realms hmm. without really seeing or knowing the frequency i mean it could be it could be i mean i think that we're being supported on this planet as the entire human race and there's pods of energy that's being deposited all over the place sometimes um i live in colorado and we have colorado's two tallest peaks right outside our window and at the very top of mount elbert a lot of times i'll see these big long um they're peach colored and pink colored they look like big long fuzzy orbs and they're just hanging there on the mountain and i think that they're bringing energies in um and so it could really be from anywhere i think i would say just you know go within and see what that feels like to you i agree and i would apply also to any changes or any profound changes you're experiencing mm -hmm. whether you see a friend transforming whether there's different activation when you are in the why why this is happening that's because you're most likely more in the mind and this is not what the answers are so allow yourself to connect go to your heart and says okay i acknowledge this profound exchange changes within myself 
my way of thinking, feeling, my heart, my body. Please clarify the purpose behind those changes and then be receptive to the answers. So that was just a little something that I'm addressing quickly from a question in the chat room here. But yes, absolutely. Um, let's dive a little bit, if you would, into the profound changes coming up this year uh, on the planet. There's, when we talk about the grid system, matrix reality. Sheila, in your experience working with so many clients and working on and off planet, of course, what would be some guidelines of wisdom we would like to share in regards to all these changes that's happening right now? One of the things that I see happening is sometimes people are receiving more information, more downloads, even higher frequencies that they weren't prepared for. And then that can take someone into a healing crisis. And so honestly, I would challenge everybody out there to, you know, try to eat lighter this year, drink lots and lots and lots and lots of water and try to stay off of the processed foods because there's so much that's being passed to us in processed foods that even if you have the cleanest diet and if you're like me, I love the blue corn chips and you're eating the blue corn chips, even though it says organic, what does that mean? How you have an organic processed something, you know? And so maybe it's at one point from organic corn, but, you know, so just, I would recommend to people really watch your diet, try to eat better, sleep better, get outside, even if you're not exercising. And if you have, like, we've got tons of snow here, so I can't go do it, but I can still go out and lean up against the trees when I take the dog out. So if you can find a tree to get next to, if you can get your feet on the ground, you know, ground, 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 because these frequencies are really high. And we have so many, I mean, I'm not an astronomer or a, um, what do you, I guess, astronomer, astronomer. Anyway, I do know that the, the planets play a huge part on what is transpiring and I was listening to someone who was giving an astrological reading and everything she said was just right down to the very day and that's all based on what's happening you know through the astrology so maybe learn a little bit about astrology also I know you know some people might say well you know with the Gregorian calendar and throwing us off and now we have to have an extra day in leap year. How accurate is that? Well, usually even when a planet goes into square or whatever it is that it does, that lasts for, you know, it starts, it's there and it continues to last. There's a good window of 24 to 48 hours. So maybe try to really pay attention, find a good astrologer that you can listen to, not that you live your every moment by that, but you just kind of keep an idea, you know, in your head of what's coming so that you can better prepare and get in touch with your guides. You know, that is your best saving grace right there because whatever's coming, whatever frequency, whatever energy, whatever has to be cleared out, they're there to support you. Get yourself a grounding mat too. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a really good, many, many wonderful good points, Sheila, and, and good point also, Jeff. I must say between us that my com my consideration around astrology is that it's based on the observation of how the planets are and the alignment. But the picture you're looking in the solar system, it's already a picture of the past. The solar system is already ascending into a higher frequency and higher level of resonance field. So how can we really rely on astrology if it's based on observation we have here and the understanding of the sky where the solar system is in a completely different imprint, different different space? Right. I totally agree. I don't know how it works, but I've been, I was watching this one lady on YouTube and I'm like, this is really accurate. So I've been trying to pay attention. And a lot of the things that she's sharing about the energies that's coming to a planet and like there was one particular energy line that went across, she was saying that's going across Texas. And then, of course, you know, Texas is all up in arms uh, right now. And she said, this is, you know, this is the energy of change when Mars is this. And again, I don't understand that. But anyway, everything she was saying was happening. So I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting because that can kind of give you, and you know, it's not going to say, oh, today do this, but it really gives you a forecast of kind of what you can, you know, be looking for. It's just like any forecast. They say it's going to not rain and it's pouring down the rain outside. Right. Uh, is because the universe is electric. Okay. Yes. So astrology does have its roots based on that. Well, let's agree to disagree on that point, and it's perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. It's fine. Well, I want to interview one more, one last question, and then I want to talk about the uh, CAN network for sure. Oh, sure. Okay. So, you know, we talk about, you, you mentioned and pretty beautifully about as frequency changes, so sometimes you can throw us off in the, into a loop whether it's health, communications, work, relationship, all of it. So if somebody is going through a lot of chaos in their lives, you know, many areas, many intention, many aspects of their lives, and in spite of all the efforts to stay neutral, center, and balance, what can be a probability of what's going on? Is it because of the changes? Is it about maybe a soul aspect? What can it be? When I see that happening, I think that they're clearing their karmic miasmic patterns is what I think is happening. Because when you have a lot of chaos that's going on around you all at one time, there has to be, if you'll look at all the chaos, there will be a unifying thread. And that unifying thread is typically what needs to be taken care of. Now, I do know that we get lots and lots of subtle hints from the universe as to what has to happen. And sometimes the only way we listen is to be thrown into a chaotic situation because that shakes us out of our, you know, our day-to-day -day ruts and we really, you know, pay attention to what's going on. So I would think I would look at the miasmic patterns and try to see 
uh, what that common thread is. Indeed, I, I agree. Um, thank you so much, Vida, for this. Let's talk about the Conscious Awakening Network. You are the founder of this. Uh, let's explore and what it offers, the, the potential. I mean, this is huge. And I'd like yeah. you to share with us. Well, I, you know, I'm really thrilled. And I, I, um, I always say I can't take credit for it because it's actually my team that brought the idea to me. And when it sort of fell in my lap, everything started out as a streaming platform and we were only a place that people could host um, their video content, but we have grown. Uh, actually we grew so fast that we blew up the, the first system that we were working on and it's only a little over a year old. It was a year old in October. So from October until May, of last year, we kind of blew the system up because we just grew so fast and we rebuilt everything. We have a brand new design. People can go and check it out at the Conscious Awakening Network.org. And when they do, they'll see something called the streaming media. That's how we started out with hosts and channels and topics. Now we have the live TV, we have podcasts, uh, we're on all major podcasting, we have our own radio station, we have music that we play on the website. We also offer a plethora of events and you can go and see past events and everything that we do, uh, unless it says on demand is free. Everything is free. And so you can go to your phone app store and download the Conscious Awakening Network phone app. And then you can watch Vivian on your phone as you're bebopping around. Tune in to her on, you know, her um, YouTube station. But we have tons of events. We also have a marketplace. And the marketplace is where if you have a product that you would like to get out to the public, go and check that out. We have a form. All you have to do is fill it out and submit it. We also have what's called Can Learn, and Can Learn is very akin to um, like uh, Udemy or something like that, a teachable. And so people are starting to put courses on there, and you can go and find whatever you're looking for. Now, these are all relatively new. Um, but they're things that people had told us that they needed. For me, you know, being a way shower, when my collective would tell me, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, I thought I had, you know, they didn't say create something so everybody can go bigger. They were just like, go bigger. Yeah, sometimes it's like, guys, give me a neon sign. You know, what do you mean? But I thought it was me. And so I studied all these modalities and I learned all these techniques. And then they just kept telling me to go bigger, 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 bigger until they took my blinders off. And it was like, oh, every, okay. I provide the platform. I go bigger by getting everybody out there because the entire intention of the Conscious Awakening Network is to be able to support people on their spiritual paths. And who knows, maybe somebody who may be downloading a Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, or even like the Android or, or app, 
on those platforms. They could just be channel surfing, watch something and have a spiritual awakening right there in their recliner while they're watching this. And that's what the network is about. So the intention is to be able to support and to wake up. But we do that in a variety of ways. Cool. Amazing. Amazing. And thank you so much. The website is on the screen right now, consciousawakeningnetwork.org. There's so much there. Yes, we're part of it. Yes, we're going to grow. And I, I too, want to bring more video, more energy, and, uh, you know, and, and we're going to grow all together. It's really a pleasure to be there. Uh, Sheila, you also have a website, SheilaSeppi.com. Is that correct? It, I do. You know, my healing practice is in the Vale Valley. And a lot of people um, were not so, um, they didn't want me talking to them about their souls and they didn't want to talk about galactics and they didn't want to talk about stuff. So I created the SheilaSeppi.com so that I have the services and things that I offer. Uh, my Spirit Way Wellness is really the the one-on-one -on -one hands-on type of work and then the sheilaseppi.com is where i do everything online and so please check that out as well thank you Vivian. well of course yeah. jeff and jeff and i are in agreement we have a, a philosophy when we invite someone it's all about them we're happy to share their link how they can connect it really is exact isn't that right jeff absolutely see this is what we do right here on the Infinite Star Connection podcast. It is truly a joy. I mean, this hour and a half from a linear perspective wow. went really, really fast. We have about a minute or two left, just barely. Can we just brush up on very barely? A lot of people having a lot of uh, trouble sleeping or stay asleep, a lot of waking up in the middle of the night. Maybe just a word of wisdom about that based on your knowledge. Yeah, a lot of times people are being awakened because their spirit guides are trying to get in touch with them. If you wake up and you're kind of shaky, then you've been out astral traveling and you've come back into the body too quick. And so the body is still, you know, trying to integrate all of that energy. But when I wake up, I lay there and it's like, okay. Are you trying to talk to me? Is this is this our little quiet time? Uh, and nine times out of 10, if it's not, you'll go right back to sleep. But if it is, then even if in that moment you don't receive a ton of information, they'll still be downloading things to you that will begin to unfold in its own time. The important thing is that you make yourself accessible. Beautifully said. Jeff, you would like to say a few words before we wrap up today? Um, nope. Everything that I, she answered everything I had. I'm pretty satisfied with it. It was good. It was a good interview. I like Sheila. She's good. I don't like you too, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We are in great company with each other. Yeah. Sheila, I know you're extremely busy, and yet you took the time in the evening to stay with us, share your wisdom, explore and be very generous of yourself as you always are. So we are very grateful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for inviting me and thanks for all the great questions. 
Yes, everyone. Thank you for tuning in every time. We have a wonderful audience, the best. Don't tell anybody else podcast. Sorry, Sheila. But we have the best because we have people from all over the world and beautiful people come every time. Even Dr. Uh, Dan was here tonight. Uh, Stone Hobbit from New Zealand was here. Oh, hey, Stone. Yeah, Stone, she's gone by now, but she was here. And amazing people. And I'm talking about you right now who are listening. You are amazing. Thank you. Aloha. Merci beaucoup. Uh, gracias. Uh, grazie. If I can say in many more language here, it's from the heart. The, we're going to be back on Sunday, February 18, regular time, 11 a.m., Mountain 1 p.m. Easter time. That is Sunday, February 18. The gap, why? It's because I'll be traveling. I'm going to be speaking at a Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles, California, one of the largest conference in North America. And they get me very busy this year. So this is why uh, instead of coming back in two weeks, we want to step one week skip one week because I'm going to be at a life expo. I want to come back on the 18 more to share. Jeff and I are working around a lineup of amazing guests. We just launched season five just recently and it is wonderful to be back stronger than ever. And Sheila, thank you again, Jeff. I couldn't this without you. I'm grateful for you, my friend. I'm very glad to be here. Oh, we are glad that you hear more than words can say. Yeah. And I know you can all. What's that? I said, I'm sure you are. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So it's a celebration and we all feel it in the chat room. Thank you so much for everyone. Sheila, always a joy. You'll be back for sure. My friend Jeff, we are coming back here on the 18th of February. In the meantime, what do we always say? Stay in your light. No fear, everyone. Just light and trust in yourself. Namaste.